Harrison Price for Thursday, July 27th, 2023. We're coming to you from the Go-Go Sports Studio, built by Arbor Lee here at the Iconic Wall Center, downtown Vancouver. If you're out by the airport looking for a nibble, might we suggest The Apron? Eat locally, fresh, eat well, vibrant cuisine and cocktails. The Apron at the Western Wall Center, YBR. Matt Sikaris alongside Jeff Patterson, who continues to sit in for Blake. Grady Sass hitting switches, conducting things, and this program a presentation of applewood auto group where at applewood nissan langley applewood nissan richmond and the richmond auto mall you can get yourself in to the 2023 frontier for from 644 monthly how about the 23 kicks from 65 dollars weekly or the big one the sl midnight edition of the 23 armada at 895 Monthly, because as they say, Jeff Patterson. Yeah, I've heard this uh, a few places now, uh, so it must be true. It is all good <laughs> at Applewood. Bulldog poll question today. Are you concerned about Thatcher Demko's workload next season? This is something that came up, and I see you've written on Thatcher Demko for your hockey news page. This is something that has come up here as we have talked this week about the Vancouver Can- Canucks and what it would take to be a contender And one of the things that I think has become clear here of late, and we've got Kevin Woodley, goaltending guru, on the program later, is that, number one, you need to manage the workload of a starting goaltender prior to the Stanley Cup playoffs. And then, number two, you may well need a second guy in the Stanley Cup playoffs, as recent Cup winners have proven. We saw Rick Tockett play the heck out of Demko towards the end of last year in meaningless games. I think part and parcel of that was just to get him back right and feeling good about himself going into the summer after what was a very difficult start to the season before he got injured. Archer Siloffs showed very well at the World Championships. He was the best player at that tournament. He showed quite well in his brief, what, five-game stint in the National Hockey League last year. But, of course, we've been fooled before by small sample sizes just going back to last year and Spencer Martin, who was nowhere near the goaltender he was the previous year in relief of Demko. Now, I think Seelofs maybe has uh, a better chance of maintaining. He's a young guy in ascension, not necessarily a journeyman who caught lightning in a bottle. But answer me the poll, Jeff. Where are you on Demko's workload, and are you concerned about it? Uh, This poll, honestly, Matt, should be 100% yes. Like, there shouldn't be a fan out there that doesn't have some niggling concern at the very least. Two years ago, the Canucks ran Thatcher Demko into the ground, required that mysterious season-ending procedure, medical procedure, that we still don't know exactly uh, what he had worked on, but they played him too much. They overworked him uh, in this desperate hope under Bruce Boudreau that they could squeeze into the playoffs, and the carryover was... His dreadful start last year was linked directly to the shortened offseason, the medical procedure, and the medical procedure happened. Why? Because they overworked him that previous season. So uh, each of the last two years, I think his performance can be tied to the workload. Uh, Everybody's got their limit. 
including Thatcher Demko. And just as a refresher, if you look at the top 10 goaltenders in the National Hockey League last season by starts, Jake Ottinger in Dallas was the only guy to advance beyond the first round. Some mm-hmm. didn't make the playoffs, others got to the playoffs, and that's the part of the equation. that you yes. like, It's great to ride Thatcher Demko, but you can't run him into the dust right? so that when you get to the playoffs, he's not in peak form. But let me, let me counter with this just to be devil's advocate, Jeff. As we know, this isn't the most aspirational franchise. They just want to get to the playoffs. Do you think they care about his workload once? I, I'm sure they will once they arrive on the spot. But you got to get there first, and I just do wonder whether it's going to be everything, all eggs in the basket of getting there and then let the chips fall. That seems to be the way they've gone about managing this Man, club. What a flawed for the strategy. Last, I know, I way. know, Jeff, we both know this, but this is the team we cover. I can't rule cover. it out. No, I know. I hear you. I've been around this team uh, long enough. I, I, I do worry, though. Yes, I absolutely uh, I have my concerns, and sort of for the reasons that you laid out there, when Thatcher Demko's at the top of his game, he has shown like he can knock on that door of being one of the elite goaltenders in the National Hockey League. And so we know the importance of a fast start and getting out of the gate for him personally, for the team. Uh, they can't. They just simply cannot stumble from the starting block yet again. So uh, I expect that he's going to play an awful lot in the early going. And then if they have success, it becomes this self-fulfilling prophecy where, hey, we had success in the first 10 because of our goaltender. Let's do it again well, and, as and we t- again. As we talked about yesterday, and we had a listener message this on, on Tell Me I'm Wrong or Hot Take, uh, forget, may have just been a comment. The way the schedule sets up with only one back-to-back in October, and they're both home games, Thatcher could start the first 14 games of this season. Which is, and I've made this point before, and I I think that there's some legitimacy to it. I don't know that it would happen this way. But if Thatcher Demko is going to play 20 of the first 25 games up until Christmas, could Spencer Martin not start the season here as a backup and give you five spot starts and you hope that, you know, a team plays, an improved team plays well enough in front of them that you can win a couple of them Meanwhile, Arthur Silovs is the man out in Abbotsford for the first half of the season. Fair. And then at Christmas, you take stock of where you are. Uh, kind of like when they did when they were bringing Thatcher exactly Demko up behind like Jacob when Markstrom. when they brought Thatcher Demko mm-hmm. up. Yes, so or there is the, a history. the flip side that Blake has always talked about, now that your affiliate is just down the road in Abbotsford, look at the schedule, the two schedules, do the math, do the travel. And basically have Martin here as just the in-game replacement, if you need that, and get those spot starts for Archer Siloffs as much as possible. How many games did Ottinger wind up starting last year? Do you do you have the starting number in front of you? Yeah, he was fourth in the league at 61. Hellebuck, Saros, and Georgiev uh, were the guys that started. Which is interesting that the top five are all Western Conference yeah. goaltenders. What's the sweet spot here? 54, of course, is starting two-thirds. is my number mm-hmm. because that means 25 starts mm-hmm. from a backup or a collective. Which is slightly less than a third. Yeah, but I 57 starts for mm-hmm. your number one guy and then figure out a way to manage those other 25. And, and I'm with Blake. I, I think the farm team's here now. 
Uh, Silovs has a body of work. You can't keep him out of the NHL this season. I don't like. I, I think he he has earned the opportunity to play some NHL games mm-hmm. this season. It's whether he earns the backup job out of camp or whether they do some sort of shuttle and platoon. So suddenly preseason becomes very important for Silovs Martin. Yeah, I think so. I, I mean, I, I, among the other jobs that are up for grabs, I think. It, you know, Patrick Levine's talked about it. Being in an open competition, he says he's okay if Silovs is the guy that comes to camp and wins that job. Uh, I just, you know, we have to remember he's 22 years of age, and as you said, this small body of work that looks promising. I think the one difference, Matt, this year over last year is if something happened to Thatcher Demko, they bypass Spencer Martin, and Arthur Silovs probably gets the reins. He gets the opportunity to step into the fire mm-hmm. rather than you know, hoping that Spencer Martin is up to the challenge second time around as an Martin is a backup. I, I still think that you could probably get by this season. He's under contract, getting NHL dollars. Certainly in the first half of the season, again, if the workload is low, I think he could be your backup for the first half of the season. Yeah, and look, put it this way, I do not see another goaltending uh, goaltender no. coming into this organization uh, with where they are cap-wise uh, and, of course, um, uh, what they did bringing in a couple of other contending goaltenders for the AHL, presumably AHL and ECHL jobs. Bodog line of the day for me. We know the Lions have made a habit of smashing the Elks, not just winning, but destroying them. Here are the scores of the last four games, 59-15, 46-14, 31-14, and 22 nothing. All but one of those games went over, albeit it was the one this year, the home opener. I'm going to take over 43 points in Edmonton on your Bodog line of today, thinking either BC can score on defense or Edmonton does a little bit better on their side of the ball. And we get it up over 43, even with the backup quarterback in there. As we know, Dane Evans is going to start in place of Vernon Adams. Adams is expected to dress as the number three quarterback, so that's a very good sign. And as we've been saying since Monday when Coach Campbell joined us, it is probably just a one-game injury for Vernon Adams. We'll see about next week in Winnipeg. Now, it's a better team, and that's a direct competitor at the top of the West, so I think you'd like to have Adams ready to go for that game, but we shall see. And then the other thing we should note about the Lions, which we weren't aware of yesterday when we were recording, came out after the fact, but they are hopping on board with the Elks' efforts for the first-ever Punjabi broadcast of a Canadian football league game. It's happening in Alberta across the radio network and good on AM 600 here in Vancouver for picking that up uh, for the Punjabi fans of the Lions here in British Columbia. Now, we must talk soccer, Jeff Patterson, because Nigeria, thought to be the easily disposed of side in the so-called group of death at the Women's World Cup down under, rose up with a huge 3-2 upset of the host Matildas today. And it wasn't even that close. It was 3-1 with the Aussies scoring a goal late into a lot of Mm. 11 minutes. 11 minutes of added time for the home team to mount Mm. its comeback. Well, it, it... didn't get all the way there. So now things get very, very interesting for Canada. Here are the stakes as we know them now. Canada would be eliminated with a loss. Yep. And Australia has to win this match to advance. A draw does them no good. So the Matildas are going to go for this. And Canada cannot lose. 
They advance with the... I say they cannot lose, but there is a scenario with goals. one last chance. Right. Yeah. If Ireland were to beat Nigeria by multiple goals, then there's a scenario whereby Canada can advance. Goal differential is a tiebreaker, and then goals four, and that is what currently has the Nigerians ahead of Canada in the group standings. Win or draw, Canada, you're through. Lose, and you need the Irish, who have already been eliminated here, to put a thumping on Nigeria to have any chance to go through. And Canada coming off a good win. Took them a while to get going, but that second half yesterday against Ireland, uh, they earned themselves the 2-1 victory, so it does set up this showdown now against the Australians, and you're right, the Aussies have to win. Like, a draw does them no good. So it's all or nothing for the Aussies in front of their home fans, and yet another day, Matt, and more noise around Canadian soccer. Have you seen this? That the women's team has now gone under a cone of silence. They're refusing to do media up until their mandatory day-before match. Okay. Now, this isn't the players deciding this. This is administrators and the coaching staff, I'm sure. Oh, okay. Why do you say that? Because they just... I don't get the sense that this is the player saying, we're not speaking to the media. This is coming from the top down. But it's just... Well, I mean, I just wonder... uh, I don't think the fans ultimately care about this stuff. We get our well, backs I up. Mean, yeah, I mean, like, I, 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 if if it is, I can understand it being talked down, Jeff, but I can under, also understand it being players up. This has been a very frustrated, angry bunch of players on both sides of the gender um, equation here. The men earlier this week informed Canada soccer sponsors stop using their name, image, and likeness. So could I see something solidarity-wise? Oh, we're not going to do interviews because the men have already informed the national sport governing body that they don't want to partake in the commercial relationship when it comes to name, image, and likeness. Is the player saying we just we don't want any distractions anymore until we're obligated? Uh, yeah. It was one of the things that really concerned me about this team and in part because of the evidence we had in December in Qatar with the men's side, who fell short of expectations, I think it's fair to say. I think everybody thought Canada could do a little better than what they did. Of course, they were the worst team at the Men's World Cup in Qatar, the only one not to not to get a result. So I didn't want that to replay itself here in Australia because this is a team that could actually win the damn thing unlike the men's side, which would have been happy to advance to the knockout stage. And therein lies another huge difference, Jeff. I mean, this is a calamity if Canada doesn't advance, oh, right? Ranked seventh in the world? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Olympic champs? I mean, coming off the gold medal, the last big world tournament. Yeah. And they can't get out of the group stage? And let's face it, this is going to be tough. A desperate home side playing before 75,000 at Melbourne's rectangular stadium. So, yeah, if they're all just focused on this match and don't want any distractions going in, I could understand that. If it's top-down, basically, to shelter them, and okay, let's get our game faces on early here before Monday. And incidentally, everybody... And I know you're an early riser, J-Pat, but yeah, this one's 3 a.m. Yeah. 3 a.m. I think I'll have to set the old uh, PVR. And... 
get her going once I wake now, up. Now, uh, we'll say this. I mean, I watched part of the Netherlands-USA yesterday, and the Netherlands were terrific. Yeah, got out the early Got out an early lead and, yeah. and were able to maintain and hold a draw against, let's face it, the favorite. Yep. Each and every time they step onto the pitch, the American women's team. So a lot to be decided in what has been a fascinating group stage already at the World Cup down under. Baseball. And as the Vancouver Canadians were putting a licking on the Everett Aquasox, the Mariners affiliate last night, the Blue Jays and Mariners were making a trade. A small one. Reliever Trent Thornton, who the Jays picked up from Houston several years back. He was actually a pretty good prospect. Never panned out in Toronto, although he was okay this year. Traded to Seattle for journeyman infielder Mason McCoy. I know the Blue Jays wanted to add another middle infielder here at some level. So he's a he's a AAA guy who could come in and, and spot start and fill in whether they lose somebody in the midfield, uh, in the middle of the diamond. But the big news yesterday in baseball is the Los Angeles Angels. They signal that they are not trading Shohei Itani. They go out and make a deal with the Chicago White Sox for a couple of pitchers, a couple of good ones at that, Giolito and Lopez. They give up a couple of pretty good prospects to do so for rental players. So this is Artie Moreno and the Los Angeles Angels saying, we're making a run for it. So if you're DePoto in Seattle, you're on notice now, right? And then secondly, what it's, what he's saying is, we believe the revenues at stake here over the last couple of months, plus the ability to negotiate with Otani exclusively until he hits free agency in the offseason, are the course that they have chosen. So they're going to do their utmost to try and get to the playoffs and convince baseball's best player to re-sign there with their club. And that makes things a little more difficult for Seattle, Jeff. I think one of the things, and talking about it with M's fans last weekend at the J-Series, a lot of them noted Otani, the Angels, and what are they going to do? So are you in a position now where you have to respond as the Seattle Mariners? You have to go out and get that back, that bat that's lacking, preferably a second baseman. But hey, anybody who could serve competently on a daily basis as your designated hitter will do. It's getting very interesting now in advance of the Tuesday Major League Baseball deadline. There is not a ton of great big names on the market, at least not that we know of. But I do think there's a number of teams that are kind of six and a half dozen of the other wondering whether they should get aggressive, stand pat with all these playoff spots available. Now three wild cards in each league. So we'll see if the Seattle Mariners and, and DePoto has been criticized in the past for not being aggressive enough. We'll see what they they are up to before Tuesday. I always ask myself, you know, if you're a general manager, how far back is too far back at the trade deadline? And I understand that the LA Angels can signal to the rest of the baseball world that they're in it. I mean, there's seven games out in the division. There are four games out in the wildcard chase. Four games is a reasonable number. You, you can make up four games. You know, I don't like their chances of getting on an absolute heater to take a run at the AL West because not only do they trail Texas, but they trail Houston as well. So it's, you know, it's not you're just trying to ta- catch the one target. There's two teams there. But four in the wild card race is a manageable number. And if you are making moves that are 
you know, hopefully going to make you better, then uh, I suppose that there is a belief there. But, you know, I asked that question of the Angels. The Mariners are behind the Angels by a half game. But yep. seven and a half out in the division, four and a half out now in the wild card. Series. As I said all week, I think with that pitching staff for Seattle, I think you've got to give yourself a chance because that is such a good pitching staff, particularly the starters that I think in a playoff scenario, I think you're better positioned than a lot of these other clubs to advance. And we saw that last year against the Blue Jays where they were able to advance. Why? They just had superior pitching, particularly in the late innings. They could get people out when the Blue Jays couldn't. Let's get to today's menu brought to you by Dutch. Dutch, BC's best breakfast when you think breakfast in British Columbia. You think Dutch, as mentioned, Kevin Woodley of InGoal Media and NHL.com is going to join us, our goaltending guru, as we take a look at Thatcher Demko, Archer Siloffs, and some other goaltending matters. We'll do some hashtags, the best and worst of Twitter, including what looks to be an incredible Calder class of rookies in the NHL season, and I... Uh, Pebble in the shoe down at Seahawks camp. Rob Williams, Rob the Hockey Guy, joins us. We'll talk about Canucks ticket prices for this year, as well as anthem singers, in-game entertainers, as well as an early look at some lines and pairings. No matter what you're buying, folks, when you're out in the world looking for this, that, and the other, I think you want to support businesses that you feel good about supporting. You can feel good about supporting the Applewood Auto Group. Uh, They've made the car business and communities around them a whole lot better with their work in the community. Go and find out why it is indeed all good at Applewood. Visit them online anytime at applewood.ca. Happy Hour brought to you by Yellow Dog Brewing, Neighborhood Brewing, Workshop Spirits, and Yellow Dog has been brewing up a little surprise. Angry Otter Lager. It's a crisp, clean, and crushable lager enjoyed by dogs and otters alike. You can find this tasty brew at all Angry Otter locations. End of the workday. Treat yourself to a Yellow Dog neighborhood or workshop spirit. Let's get into it. I don't know if it was malicious. Probably not. But I do know it was another WTF moment. My question to ownership would be, was it worth it? And the architect... And I use that term loosely, given there wasn't much architecture, more finger-painting with this team. It's like the running of the Bulls in Pamplona. You know someone is going to get hurt. That's what you all need to understand here, right now. The Sebastian Ajo contract extension in Carolina baselines what Elias Pettersson is going to cost the Vancouver Canucks. Well, there are subtle differences between the players. Ajo will make $9.75 million per season. And it now seems clear that Pedersen is going to come in at $10 million per season at minimum. He's been a slightly better scorer than Ajo over their careers. He's a superior defensive player, 15 months younger. And the Canucks aren't a line-in-the-sand organization like Carolina, something Pedersen's agents will be keenly aware of. The Hurricanes have shown a willingness to trade players who don't come in at their preferred numbers. The Canucks have not. Suppose with the exception of Bo Horvath, but that was complicated by the JT Miller extension. Now, Carolina was buying out unrestricted free agent years exclusively, whereas the Canucks, if they extend Pedersen this summer, would be buying out one restricted free agent season. Suppose that's a little something in the Canucks ledger. 
AFP Analytics projects a new deal at eight years with an average annual value of just under $10.37 million. The firm has projected other NHL contracts this summer and tended to be a smidge light compared to what the player the players actually got. The other elements that will come into play here are income tax and overall percentage of the cap. North Carolina is not a jurisdiction without state income tax, but Ajo's dollars will go further there than Pedersen's will go in British Columbia. If no deal can be reached this summer, the cap will rise next summer and quite significantly, and Camp Pedersen will be in a position to argue for more money based on how much of the cap this contract will eat, the percentage. Trade protection will also be part of this negotiation, but it seems clear that Pedersen will receive a full no-move clause for most of the deal. While he might pull a Ryan Kessler, leave some money on the table to help the Canucks build a supporting cast, he does have some unique bargaining points that Cam Robinson, our friend from Elite Prospects, has recently uncovered and tweeted about. Players with at least 100 points and fewer than 15 penalty minutes in a season in the last 25 years? Elias Pedersen. That's it. That's the entire list. Last season, Pedersen, the first player in NHL history to record at least 100 points, at least three OT winners, at least five shorthanded goals. And then players with at least 65 even strength points and five shorthanded goals in a single season over the last 25 years? Patterson. Again, he stands alone. So, as Robinson notes, this guy's about to be paid, and he is. And after a bridge contract last time and a negotiation that dragged into training camp, much to Elias's chagrin, leading to a slow start, it's high time the Canucks make him a priority and get this deal done. Sooner, the better. That's welcome at for today. We invite your feedback. Feedback channels as follows on email live at securesonprice.com. You can text 778-402-9680. It's the Great Clips text message inbox on Twitter at Mansakaris at Price. The welcome at a presentation of Northlands Golf Course. Jeff and I will be out there this afternoon hoping not to hack it up. You can join the loyalty program price. Your next round could be free. Book those tee times 90 days in advance. Details at golfnorthlands.com. Harris Price from Wall Center and a presentation of the Applewood Auto Group. Now, Applewood has got me in the new Infinity QX60, and I absolutely love it. Next week or so, when Blake gets back, he's going to tell you what he's driving from Applewood. And that's the Nero EV, the electric vehicle from Kia. And you can find that at Applewood Kia, Surrey, Applewood Kia, Richmond. Starting at $44,995, 6.49% up to 84 months and zero down, as we've been telling you, it's all good at Applewood. Bodog poll question today, are you concerned about Thatcher Demko's workload next season? Yes or no? You can vote at Sikarison Price on Twitter. Bodog, your source, free casino games, poker strategy, and sports odds. And Bodog, line of the day for me Contract year for Steven Stamkos, and with Tampa not as deep up front, I think more minutes, more shooting opportunities for Stammer. I'm going over 33.5 goals for the season. An NHL player prop on your Bodog line of the day.
Well, Jeff, we're talking goaltending today, and if you're talking goaltending, I believe you're contractually obliged to book Kevin Woodley of In Goal Media and NHL.com as one of your guests. And we find him in Canada's surfing paradise of Tofino, British Columbia today. Hello, Kevin. How are we doing, my friend? This is uh, the sort of end of July. August is all goalie camps. So this last <laughs> couple of weeks is definitely sort of vacation time. We've been, we had a golf trip to the Olympic Peninsula. Speaking of Kias, uh, one of the guys on that trip had that new EV6 electric vehicle, and it was beautiful. Um, Taylor Swift, impromptu trip with my daughter on the weekend while you were down there watching the Blue Jays lose, Matt. And now off to Tofino for, uh, for four or five days here of uh, surfing. And, well, I'd say relaxing, but basically at, at my age now, it's surfing and then recover. Right, yeah. right. And well, surf um, again. Yeah. the Patterson family made it down to Taylor Swift as well, albeit not Jeff. I saw you were the brave soul that accompanied your daughter to Taylor Swift. You survived the experience, Kevin, but did your bank account survive the experience? Yeah, no, that was, that was, I'm not going to get into details on what that was, but that was, uh, you know, um, you only, you don't get to take it with you, Matt. Uh, you know, That's as, right. As, as you know, I lost my dad this summer and it was kind of one of those moments. It was, my daughter's a huge fan and I'm a Swifty. Hey, this isn't me going down to be like, like, I'll, I'll fully admit it. This isn't me just being, like, to be, like, a good dad to my daughter. This was, like, I loved the experience. She's an incredible performer. And, yeah, it wasn't a cheap ticket, but um, it was a once-in-a-lifetime experience. And one that both me and her have relived, like, through the videos and, like, almost every day. So it's, uh, yeah, you don't take it with you. So it was, yeah, uh, it was nice to good, share that Good for her. you. Good for you. I just hope you avoided that merch line. Um, hey, listen, the merch line, she's smart. She puts the merch outside so you don't have to have a ticket to get in. But the secret is if you do have a ticket, you just go in and the merch lines are not ah, nearly as Ah, okay. Just, I didn't realize there was a hack. Mm-hmm. Ah, well done, Kevin. Boy, you should write the manual going forward for all these next tour stops for Taylor. Okay, answer me the Bodog uh, poll question. Are you concerned about Demko's workload this coming season? Yeah, I mean, I think it's the the easy answer is yes, and you know, um, I think that's it's a legitimate concern. Just just because we know what the goal is for this team, and you know, I I actually don't think they're going to be as reliant on goaltending this season, based on what we saw out of them under Talkett at the end of last season as they were under Bruce Boudreau. And so that, you know, like I don't think you're going to need Vesna Trophy-level performances on a night-in, night-out basis. So maybe they'll be able to back off a little bit. But sir, And, and there's plenty of upside, obviously, in C-Lobs. And I happen to be one of the few, like I know there are a lot of people that will, you know, light up the inbox. I happen to be a guy that believes Spencer Martin's capable of being an NHL goaltender if you put him behind better structure and some of the things he figured out last year. So I'm also... An, an, I'll deviate here. I'm less concerned than I would have been going into last season because I know that Thatcher has changed the way he trains. He ch- changed who he's training with. Um, he, he brought in a, he, he started working with an outside consultant during the season last year, somebody that I know very well, and, and um, talking to him as that process went on and at the end of the year – he felt so much better about his body and how it felt by the end of the year 
than he did going even into the season before the injury. And so that change in how he trains and how he moves his body, I think, listen, goaltending, it's not, the human body was not designed to butterfly. So there is always injury risk. And the stress they're put under right now with so much east-west in the game and dynamic type plays, like it's never been higher. Injuries are, are through the roof for goaltenders. So it's always a concern. But I feel better about where he's at. He's been on the ice recently uh, here in Vancouver with this with this off-ice trainer working with him. And so I, I believe in those changes. I believe in the person behind them. Uh, and I believe in what I've heard from Thatcher in terms of his commitment to him and how much better he feels about the way his body is moving and holding itself together since making that change in training staff. You touched on it briefly there, but our first visit with you since July 1st, like, do you think the additions of Carson Soucy and Ian Cole, and I think we have to lump Philip Ronick in there as well. I mean, the four games, it was almost an afterthought, but you know, ha- have they done enough, do you think, as a group to make life easier on their goaltender? Time will tell, right, Jeff? Like, um, you know, I, I cover the first two rounds, well, I guess the only two rounds of the Seattle Kraken playoff run for NHL.com. Um, and by the way, just like epic. See, we know Seattle's an incredible sports city, and now they have another franchise to cheer, and it was just a blast being down there and watching, being a part of that playoff atmosphere. Um, and Susie was really good in, in, in the role he played. But obviously, anytime you ask players to, to play a bigger role and project them as being capable, much like asking a goaltender to potentially play 60 or 65 games, there's risk involved, right? So um, time will tell. As I said off the top, I believe that this team is poised, as long as Rick Tonka can get out of this group the buy-in he got out of them coming in last season, I believe that this team is poised to be less reliant not only on goaltending, but on individual skill and ability defensively and, and hockey IQ. Um, you know, so much of what they were playing before was read based. And, you know, I mean, how many, how many memes are there about Vancouver, the Vancouver Canucks last season where at the start of the year you had four guys chasing the puck in one spot while the best player on the ice is wide open on the other side? It was like nightmare, nightmare feel for goaltenders, uh, dream for those who make memes. And it was just the reality of p- placing too much emphasis on read. Like, I know everybody hates the word structure, but it's so much better now, and it's so much simpler now. Um, they they rely less on individual reads and decision making, and it's not just the defenseman; it's the five man group. And I, you know, I look at the underlying numbers and the metrics on high danger chances against at five on five, and they went from being one of the bottom five teams in the league under Boudreaux to flirting with a top five team in the league under talking. Now again. This group has shown uh, an inability at times to sort of deal with success. Like they have success for a little while and they think it's going to be easy coming into the next season and they're not willing to do the work. That, frankly, that's just the way it has been for years and years with a lot of members of this group. Uh, if you believe that Tockett can get them to play and buy in the, at the start of this year the way he did at the end of last year, and there is still an if element there, but I believe he can. Um, I just think whether it's Susie or Cole and elevated roles, I just think, again, the demands on them as individuals are going to be far less because of the structure in place as a team. Do you have a sweet spot for the number of starts for Demko? It's probably between 55 and 60. And again, it depends on the workload, right, Matt? Like if it's 45 saves and backdoors because the seams are wide open on the PK like they have been for the past number of years and nobody on the penalty kill is willing to eat a puck like it has been for the last couple of years. 
Like that's where I think they've gotten a lot better in terms of the the Coles and the Susies, right? Like fill a lane, be in the lane, be where you're supposed to be, and then eat that puck. Like don't borderline flamingo out of the way. Um, so uh, I don't think the demands again physically will be as high as they've been in the past in terms of you know again dynamic saves, back doors, fully extended where you're in the splits and you're pulling your body apart. So maybe you can flirt with more numbers. His body will tell you that. But I still think around the league, as you see this trend towards 1A and 1B, your sweet spot has increasingly come down towards that 55 start range. Especially if you, like, hey, getting to the playoffs, I think everybody, you know, that's sort of been the mantra. Um, But if you actually plan on succeeding there, right, like, you know, two years ago is the prime example, which led to the problems for Thatcher Demko this season, right? Didn't make it through the season because you overplayed him. He wasn't the only one. Like, the two goalies two years ago that played the most and, and sort of saw the most rubber or the most difficult chances, like, you see Saros and Thatcher Demko, and neither one of them made it to the end of the season. So um, it's not just about getting through. It's about having a goaltender who's not being held together by bailing wire and duct tape by the time you get there. Kev, yeah, I've got a piece out at the Hockey News right now where I make the argument that, in my mind, Thatcher Demko... could be the Canucks' biggest breakout candidate. And we all know what he did two years ago, but I I don't think that's his ceiling. And we've seen it in stretches. He was a player of the month one month. He made the All-Star appearance, all those types of things. Like, I don't think Pedersen's going to get to 150 points, and I don't think Quinn Hughes is going to get to to 90 points, but I do think that there is still, uh, you know, more for Thatcher Demko to give. Do you believe that like we haven't seen the very best and for an entire season? Like, is there room for growth in his game? From a raw numbers perspective, Jeff, in terms of what most people are going to see and, and classify as a breakout season, I think you're absolutely right. Um, you know, what was his save percentage two years ago? Sorry to put you guys on the spot, but I can't fire up the uh, it was I think 915. It was like nine, nine, I was going to say 915 or 915, right? So that doesn't jump off the page, right? But his adjusted save percentage was, I think, six in the NHL that year. So in other words, the environment was so bad, achieving a 915 made you a top six, top seven goaltender in the National Hockey League. I think as the environment improves, that same performance, and it really was incredible, you know, could have you at 925, right? Like, look at, look at you know, and again, um, look at Jack Campbell the two years in Toronto, right? Like everybody raved about the numbers and it got him a, you know, five, five times five deal in Edmonton. But the adjusted save percentage was in the 30s. Like, that was product of the environment. Like, not that he was terrible. He was just slightly above expected. Demko behind that environment, in theory, would have been running like a 930, right? Now, there is an adjustment to be made as a goaltender. Not every goaltender plays better, as absurd as it sounds, when they're less busy, when they're not asked to do as much. It's like, hey, let's be honest. Like, it, it makes sense. Easier defensive environments, better for a goaltender. But it's an adjustment. You're not as busy. You're not stopping bullets in your teeth like he did for two years. You have to find sort of a mental balance between, especially if you start actually becoming a good team. I'm not saying they're there yet. That actually controls play. And you're watching the guy at the other end stand on his head. You can yeah, Things can start to bounce around in your mind a little bit, right? So I believe he's equipped. We saw it with Markstrom going to Calgary. Um, you know, less shots, fewer shots, a bit of an adjustment, not being as busy. But I, I think that said, I think it's an adjustment he'll make rather quickly. Uh, I think the fact he got a chance, why is, it was why it was important for him to get a chance to play behind this team last year, uh, under Talkett at the end of the season, despite a lot of people talking about maybe shutting it down. Um, I think that was really important for him to know that his A, his body worked, and B, get used to it. But you're right, Jeff. Like The raw numbers, the stuff that shows up at NHL.com, has the potential to be a lot higher than we've seen from him 
it will still be reflective of a level of play that was, like, like I said, well inside the top 10 two years ago. The difference is the rest of the league will finally recognize it if the environment continues to improve. The um, schedule is slotted whereby, Kevin, like Demko could start the first 14 games of the season with only one back-to-back at home. Um, does your antenna get up if he does that? Or is that just, hey, schedule slotted this way, he's fresh as a daisy or should be as fresh as a daisy on the, uh, you know, coming into training camp um, before the workload begins? What's your sense on that first month and that first 14 games before the real meat of the schedule hits them? Well, I think, you know, it's, it's, it's a good question, Matt. And I think the reality is you're not going to know until we get there, right? Like, and this is where having a goalie coach and, 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 and his goalies on the same page, like to be able to just like, I'll, I'll point back to the Mark Stramera, right? There were times where you could see his game slipping. They needed him. He was their best chance to win. And they would start Anders Nilsson, who hadn't won in a long time, and everybody would lose their minds. And it's like, no, they recognized, and Ian Clark recognized, and, and, and got the goalies to buy in. that, like, hey, if we keep running him out there, we're going to see that go from like 90% of his best to 85 to 80 to 75. Whereas if you give me three days, I can get him back to 100, right? And so that process can be both physical. If you pick up a tweak or something you're fighting through, obviously if you've got a gap in the schedule, you want to be allowed to rest that, but also technical, like things in your game that need to be tightened because when you play on a consistent basis, even with days off, it's not just about your body being able to get through the games, it's the lost practice time. And I think Demko's at a stage in his career where he needs less of that, uh, his technique is pretty dialed. There's not going to be a lot of things to change. But like I said at the top, like he's working with Adam Francilia, the same trainer that works with Connor Hellebuck and about a dozen other NHL goalies. Like the way he moves his body will be a little bit different. And there might be times where they need to make some adjustments in there. At the end of the day, really hard to project now until you get into the meat of it. But what you like is uh, a goaltender who I think has learned to be honest with how he's feeling and, and, and you know what he's capable of. Uh, a goalie coach who's not afraid to say, hey, we need to start the other guy because I need a couple days of this guy. Like, that's a positive yeah. environment. And I, so I, I wouldn't sweat it. If he goes 14 because everybody's on the same page and he's perfectly capable, then what I'm also looking for is, have you found a way to get Arthur Siloff's a bunch of starts in the American Hockey League so he hasn't sat for a month? And that's where the beauty and the, and, and the franchise and the Equilinies deserve credit for the money invested in having the team in Abbotsford. Man, you can start to play that game where your backup actually isn't with you on a weekend where you know Demko's playing because he's down in Abbotsford playing two out of three and staying sharp. Right, uh, which was my next question, so thanks for answering that. Uh, the other thing we've been talking about this week with the Vancouver Canucks is what a contention. What will it take for them to be a contending hockey club for a Stanley Cup championship, not just get into the playoffs? And, and Kevin, we've been talking about how many missing pieces there are to get the Canucks to that level, and we focused entirely on skaters because of Thatcher Demko. But you tell me, is backup goaltender now, given what we've seen in the Stanley Cup playoffs and the necessity to go with a couple of guys, and even Vegas last year running through five different starters, is backup goaltender now so important that contending teams need to be too deep at the position? Um, it, I don't know that we're at the point where you can say absolutely. Um, but what we've seen, again, because the injuries have become more prevalent, like if you've got an Andre Vasilevsky who not only plays you know, a ton of games, but even he admitted this summer that it's time to start playing less, like 
you know, he never missed a start in the playoffs. They won two cups and went to a third final, right? Like, so if you've got that guy, you worry less about it. I think it's more you need to have depth at the position as an insurance policy because increasingly it's hard to get through a season with that guy. Um, there are very few. Uh, you know, one of the most important abilities as a goaltender is availability, which leads to durability, right? Like, you have to have those elements. So, um, you know, it's not even just two, Matt. Like, I think you need three. I think you have to have three guys who can play in the NHL to make sure you – It's that doesn't mean you can't – and you won't have seasons where you just get through and number one plays 65 and he's ready to go all through the playoffs. But given the risk – there's a risk involved if you don't have those insurance policies. And, you know, there's a little part of me that, like – there is a risk in them not adding an NHL-experienced guy to the depth chart this summer, especially when there were NHL-experienced guys with, with decent upside that were signing you know, for under a million dollars. Like You could have added that insurance. Now, it's a one-way contract, and they've already potentially got a one-way contract in the American Hockey League, and I understand the hesitancy to add a second, um, but there's a risk involved, right? Like signing that guy doesn't mean you think he's better than Artur Silov, right? Like, and I love that they, they believe in Arturs enough that they're going to, they feel comfortable with him and, and Spencer Martin. But I remind you that, you know, when push came to shove by the end of the American Hockey League playoffs last year, they started Spencer and back-to-back and abandoned their rotation. And I know the team yeah. on the other end was hoping they would continue the rotation because they thought at the time Spencer was a better goaltender. So, um there are very few absolutes in this position. There's a lot of volatility and performance from one year to another. I believe in the talent of Archer Silovs, and, and they, be, they may be proven right for doubling down and, and not feeling the need to add depth. At the end of the day, too, you can also, if Archers shows up and for whatever reason there's a hiccup and he's not ready, and you're not 100% confident in Spencer Martin, there are teams that are running four deep in NHL experience right now. Like, mm-hmm. look at Pittsburgh. Like, they just yeah. loaded up. Like, Nadelkovich <laughs> yeah. is the third, and they added Helbert, right? Like, so there are teams that are going, they're looking at Vegas, and they're like, they needed five, right? Like, we got to have three or four. And the Canucks, <laughs> you know, from an absolute locked-in, we know this guy can play in the National Hockey League and get us wins. I believe in it, but I can see from the outside people like, eh, they could have used another guy. Yarl Halak doesn't have a contract. He's not coming back here. But, like, there's a guy who continuously outperforms his environment. I'm surprised he doesn't have one. You probably could have had him for cheap. I apologize. A bug just crawled on me and I freaked out there. Jeez. Um, <laughs> we're in the outdoors here. Um, so you, you can find yeah. those guys. But the other thing to remember is every team that is running three and four deep, it's because they've got to put a guy through waivers. So if for whatever reason you get through the preseason and you're no longer as confident as you were this summer – there are going to be a lot of NHL experienced goalies uh, on reasonable one-way tickets that you can add and just plug right into your, your NHL yeah. team and, and allow Spencer to go down and allow Archers to go down because he doesn't need to clear waivers. So there's some flexibility there. But like I said, anytime you're running with only three and a couple of guys who might have question marks around them, there is a risk. And they're taking that risk if that's how they start the season. I got to ask, was it an e-bug? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wish it was an e-bug. It was an ant the size of uh, the size of a squirrel. So, ah. at least in my mind, it was as it started to crawl up my leg. Uh, big in Tofino. Last one for me, Kevin. Just quickly here, but assuming Siloffs and Martin are the uh, backup and primary starter in Abbotsford, how do you see uh, Sachenko and Tolapio shaking out? Who who do you think will be the Abbotsford guy, and who do you think will be the CHL guy? Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they keep three in Abbotsford. 
uh, for a while at the start of the season. Um, the one thing you got to remember with the ECHL is you don't have the coaching down there, right? Like you don't, your goalie coach, although, you know, Marco Terranius and the way they've set things up, when the AHL teams goes on the road, he doesn't always go. He really is a AHL slash development coach. I know he went up to Prince George, for example, and spent some time with Ty Young last season, right? So continuing to build that relationship and dial in some of the details that they're trying to change in Ty Young's game. We saw it with Spencer when he arrived here. We saw it with Colin Delia last year. This goalie coaching staff asked their goalies to do some things that are unique and different to what a lot of goalies have done to this point. Getting comfortable with those technical and tactical adjustments takes some time. Uh, Martin didn't play for, what, two months when he first got here in the American Hockey League. Delia played, but was trying to get comfortable with the changes, comfortable enough to make them innate. To quote Top Gun, if you think out there, you're dead. So you got to be able to get out there and just play and not think about the changes. I think with Tolapilo, that's going to be a process. It might be a process with Sachenko. So I can't tell you who ends up in the coast, but I would be surprised if they end up there early in the season. They'll use, there's tons of practice time out there, especially when they're at home. They'll use that rotation, I would think, to make sure that all guys are on the same page in terms of how we play as goalies, quote-unquote, as mm-hmm. Vancouver Canucks, because it can be quite different, and it's a process that takes a little time. So having three is not a bad thing down there early on. Well, there's nobody in the business who can talk goalie to you like Kevin Woodley and make it all make sense and and learn you something each and every time about the position my dude great to see you again surf uh, get pitted there in tofino if the waves get big enough i was gonna say safe surfs up but it's not really up so it's actually perfect for us old men (laughs) thanks for this we'll catch up soon kev thanks guys always a pleasure catching up with you So Garrison Price from All Center presentation, Applewood Auto Group, and hashtags the best and worst of Twitter are brought to you by Jason Hominick of Jason.Mortgage. Recent Garrison Price listener was thinking of buying approved uh, approved and locked in their rate for four months. Soon thereafter, rates increase by 2 2.5%. Jason saved them money. And hey, if rates go down, this listener can always readjust. Jason will tend to the details. Find him at Jason.Mortgage. I'll start, on, start off with one from Ryan Pike at Ryan and Pike, part of the Calgary Flames Radio Network. Flames have signed 2023 first rounder Samuel Honzik to a three year ELC worth 950 grand at the NHL level. Bonuses not disclosed. So the Vancouver Giant winger gets himself a contract here a month after being drafted uh, mid first round by the Calgary Flames. And, uh, you know, take that weight off his shoulder, I suppose, yeah. and the Giants are going to lean on him to be uh, their go-to guy this upcoming Western Hockey League season. We're sure he's going to play for the Giants, right? Because as a European, he could go play in the American Hockey League, he but he, hurt he missed World time Juniors. last year. I, I think, yeah. you know, he's not a top 10 guy. I think no. he goes back for another year. Yeah, and, and big guy, but needs some weight on the frame, I would suspect, before starting his professional hockey journey. Uh, but yes, noted that. For, uh, frankly, um, given that he was hurt, Hansik did very well this year to get drafted where he was. You know, I know some people liked him in the ten to twenty range, but I saw others liked him much later in the first round or even the second. So good on him for getting drafted where he where he did. Speaking of draft, at hockey underscore Robinson, our draft insider Cam Robinson of Elite Prospects. This year's Calder race has the chance to be. An all-timer. That's if Connor Bedard allows anybody else to join 
the competition. But Logan Cooley signed today. Yeah. Top five pick from the previous year from the Arizona Coyotes. And that was no guarantee. No. So that's- Well, he said he was going to go back to school and then obviously has had a change of heart here. I suspect there's playing well, time available. Kind of and- going back to school at Mullet. <laughs> yeah, ASU's transferring. Uh, Adam Fantilli, the third overall pick in this past draft. Uh, Devin Levi, the goaltender, once upon a time, world junior hero for Canada. Brant Clark, the right shot defenseman in Los Angeles. Luke Hughes, of course, brother of Quinn, who got a cup of coffee last year with the Devils. Matthew Nyes, the power forward in Toronto. David Yurichek, the right shot defenseman. Columbus, Shane Wright down the I-5. Simone Edvinson, the big defenseman for Detroit. Dustin Wolf, Calgary Flames goaltender, and he's percolated there. He mm-hmm. could be interesting if he gets enough starts with Jacob Marks from William Eklund, the forward with the San Jose Sharks. He's well, not actually eligible. Is he not? No. He played a. He played he, enough games? He's a nose on camps. Oh, yeah. okay. And Olin Zellweger, who is a dynamic offensive defenseman, in the Anaheim Ducks system, they have a lot of dynamic defensemen in their system. At least at the end. They he was. The Everett then Kamloops, right? Saw him play for Everett here a couple of years ago at the LEC, and boy, did he stand like out. 40 goals across all competitions as a defenseman last year. Yeah, and, and, and to watch him skate with the puck and move the puck, like, I mean, he's... I, I don't want to diminish his defensive abilities, but gosh, he's almost like a rover. Uh, it's one of these new age defensemen. Used to delight talking to our old friend Pierre Maguire in October and November about the rookie class, and boy, does this one look good. Kudos, or uh, concur with Cam Robinson. Uh, at Vernon Adams Sr., of course, we always talk about Vernon Adams Jr., the quarterback of the BC Lions. This is his dad on Twitter. He's got all the jokes, dad jokes, I suppose. We don't have a Dane thing to worry about. Let's keep this ship rolling. And then he well uses done. the 100 hashtag, the football, and the lion. Well done. And I concur <laughs> with Mr. Adams Sr. At Adam Schefter. Seattle Seahawks cornerback Devon Witherspoon, the number five overall pick in April's draft, is not on the field for the start of training camp as both sides have been unable to reach a contract agreement. Witherspoon is the final player among this year's 259 draft picks, not under contract. This can't be comforting news for the Seattle Seahawks, whose other first-round pick, Jackson Smith and Jigby receiver, apparently had a quite a showing yesterday. Um, now, the good news is the Seahawks have some cornerback depth, but this kid could be impact. And I mean, when you spend a fifth overall on a corner... You're hoping to have them in your program. So a distraction and something to monitor, and I know a lot of 12s may already be worried that he could fall behind here in his first professional training camp and that could it imp- and that it could impact his rookie campaign. Now this one's a little bit visual. It's from the PGA Tour, at PGA Tour, the official account, and it simply says, we've all been there. And, oh, yes, we've all been there. Adam, Adam Hadwin. Hadwin. Oh. It's got video of Adam Hadwin in the fairway on the 18th hole, first round of the 3M Championship in Minnesota, and he flat out lays the sod over, I don't know how long the shot was, but let's say it was a 150-yard shot that had to clear water. It probably goes about 70 yards. And dead, dead center left. of the drink. Yeah. 
I mean, it was a hosel job that you would see. Uh, well, one of we'll see it at Northlands here this today. Yeah, I think it was one just more centered. just putting sod over it and just taking way too much dirt. Uh, I'm guessing that you know maybe he wasn't playing with a clear mind. He and his wife were into it on Twitter again last night over the laundry. <laughs> Something about socks being washed inside out. Yeah. Oh, don't get me well, started. Well, I, 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 I know that Adam is quite meticulous about how he likes the dishwasher loaded. Right. And that Jessica doesn't always abide or comply. Spoons and forks up. If you put them down, they don't get washed. The water finds them. No, Water no, finds no. all parts of the dishwasher. I it's bet you jam it up, space. Jeff. I bet you jam it up and they're all pressed up against each other. And then it all solidifies. My bigger issue is my it sounds kids. Sounds like you have a bad dishwasher. My kids. I'm getting a new one. <laughs> my kids think that there are only the front two little compartments in the cutlery basket. Like yeah. they don't yes. use towards the back. Yeah, so, right. You yeah, got to spread like it out. 400 forks in the front two. Yeah. And then the rest of the train is empty. Mm-hmm. I have not uh, worked well enough with them over the years. Reminds me of the story of uh, one of my old heroes, Mike Singletary, the Bears linebacker, who when he retired and was back at the house with the five children, you know, he was looking for outlets. He was, you know, trying to find his way. And he sat the kids down. He's like, kids, we're going to have a seminar today on loading the dishwasher. And we're going to do it with passion and intensity. At Ben Steiner, double zero. Gold for Macintosh. Canada Summer Macintosh takes the gold medal in the women's 200-meter fly at the World Aquatics Championships in Fukuoka. Two minutes, four seconds, .06, a world junior record. She won the event at Budapest 2022, and she's defending her title, an astounding athlete. And, oh, yeah, she turns 17 next month. We talked yesterday, Jeff, about the one-year countdown to the Paris Olympics and a couple of the British Columbian medal hopefuls there. But needless to say, Summer McIntosh, I think, is going to be one of the big stories for Canada going into these games and hopefully coming out of these games as well. And as Blake would say, we've got another phenom in the pool because you'll remember the story of Penny Alexiak two Olympics ago in Brazil Uh, The Americans churn out these swimming phenoms with regularity. We've got another one here in 16-year-old Summer McIntosh, whose future is incredibly bright. And that's hashtags for today. now by the national sports editor of the daily hive and it's offside vertical you know him as rob the hockey guy rob williams here with sick harrison price how you doing my friend well i was waiting for a blue jays reference to just, we missed each other in seattle last yeah week. we did <laughs> you didn't text me did you did did you not want to hang out with a sloppy drunk blue jays fan all weekend <laughs> Oh, I had uh, 17 sloppy drunk Blue Jays fans down there. It's all good. <laughs> you had met your quota. <laughs> uh, I saw you were projecting outlines and defense pairs for uh, the start of the season. Assuming nothing else happens. You got it all figured out? Yeah. Um, what do you think is the most interesting uh, decision there in terms of who plays with whom? 
yeah, I mean, this is with the caveat that there's likely some changes to, that are going to come before opening night. But uh, we needed we need some July content here, guys. So so bear with me. And and I do think that the the changes that will that will come before opening night will probably be pretty minimal. It's hard to move big contracts right now, and and I think they're you know they look kind of locked into you know for the most part on on what they're doing. So I uh, took a look at just lines, defense pairs, and and how. Rick Talkett is going to piece this puzzle together. And I, I, I think it's kind of tricky because I, I, think, I think the big question for me is, is that third line going to be a, an offensive black hole with Teddy Bluger centering it? I, I know Bluger's, you know Bluger's numbers, he's known more of a def, as a defensive center, and he has so, shown some signs of you know, being able to, to, to produce offense. But you know, I think he's a you know he's a, probably a tweener, a third, fourth line center. So, what does that do for all of these wingers? The Canucks have enough wingers to you know to to fill four lines and have some guys that can play up and down in the lineup. But if you've got Teddy Bluger in that third line spot, who do you put there, and can they score? So, uh, the way I put it together was a third line of Ilya Mikheyev. Teddy Bluger, Vasily Podkolzin, and that's your checking line. Like that's your tenacious, dog on the bone line. And will they score a lot? I'm not sure, but I think that now puts the more accomplished Canucks wingers in better positions to score. So I've got Beauvillier and Kuzmenko with Pedersen, and I've got Garland and Besser with Miller, and that leaves Joshua, Nils, Oman, and I've got Nils Hoaglander in in for opening night. And again. Now, can Hoaglander, you know, play well enough defensively to be trusted in that role? That remains to be seen, um, but I believe he can. So I, I think yeah. it's it's interesting how it's how it's going to all piece together here. Yeah, and I look, I, I sort of view it like I, I think we all have a pretty good understanding of the top nine, and you can move some pieces around in there. But I think the the nine. Per, the nine bodies uh, in the top three lines, I think, are more or less set. Again, barring another move later this summer. For me, just the way Talkett talked about Di Giuseppe last year, the opportunity he gave him, the fact that they re-signed him early, that he wants a heavier body, I think Hoaglander has to climb over and convince Talkett that he's a better option than Di Giuseppe. Uh, somewhere in the bottom six, or and and frankly, that may apply to some other forwards as well. Uh, you know, I could easily see Di Giuseppe uh, cracking in to that top nine, playing on a third line if he has a good camp and and the love affair continues with coach. Yeah, I mean, I've got Di Giuseppe as a, as one of the extras, and I, yeah, I, I did kind of you know mark that spot where okay, Hoaglander, you know, if, if I saw you explain it. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, if he has some questionable uh, plays, I think that would be a quick, he'd get the quick hook for Di Giuseppe. I think you're right on that one. And I've got, and then the last spot, I think that last spot is, right now is pretty wide open. I've given it to Sheldon Dries just because if they need another center, if they need some uh, a center on the on the second unit uh, power play, that's another uh you know, question mark right now is 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 do they don't really have a center on this on PP two, assuming that Pedersen and Miller are on are on PP one. So uh, I've got him kind of squeaking into that last spot based on his his strong play last season. I just wonder if, and again, like this is late July, and all of this will 
be fleshed out at training camp. But I, I wonder with JT Miller and his defensive warts, if they don't need a guy like Mikheyev sort of to be a safety valve there, uh, a life preserver in some ways, because we know the struggles that Besser had defensively as well last year. So all those things, again, I mean, it's a great conversation uh, at this time of the year, and ultimately we'll see how these battles are won. I, I wonder, I mean, there are jobs up for grabs at training camp, Rob, but it sounds like there are jobs up for grabs at Rogers Arena right now. Anthem singers, in arena hosts, uh, I, I saw entertainment. Right, yeah, yeah exactly. show us your talent. We we got a little bit of Vancouver has talents going on at Rogers Arena. Yeah, I, 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 there was a little. Was, there was a brief moment of panic. I think uh, when the Canucks tweeted this out, um, saying that they're looking for you know for singers for to sing the anthem for every like you know, and I think they sort of advertised it as if you could sing the anthem at every single game and then people are going like okay first of all okay oh that's fine but then they they've got a lot of singers right now that people really like and i think there's you know there's there's clearly the uh the top three right now with in no particular order marie huey elizabeth irving and jugpreet bajwa uh so i think people were kind of like what are they going to make them like try out here like that doesn't really make any sense but i did confirm with the canucks that they are these are they're just looking for extra extra singers and it's going to be the same processes as before where we're going to see a lot of different singers singing the anthems my question is should they consider a situation where they have one go-to singer and that becomes a part of like the fabric of going to to games like some other places have done and i think it's something they they should consider and i know the the white caps had that with Marie Huey and she became a name and she became a kind of a team ambassador of sorts. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something that the Canucks could have if they wanted to. Uh, the only trouble is it would cost them probably a little bit more money than they, <laughs> than they, than they prefer to spend because now you're going to have to, you know, you're paying for somebody to, to be there for every single game. That's now a bit of a grind and you're going to have to, to yeah, I, I was very glad to see that you clarified because I read it that way as well. Like, oh, they're they're going out to get their uh, Roger Doucette, uh, Jim Cornelison, um, you know, anchor in the anthem spot. But no, uh, it is going to still be rotating and show off your talent at Canucks home games this upcoming season. Interested applicants can submit an introduction video and demo reel of their unique performance. Jeff, we were talking about the one thing you lose if you go to one anthem singer or just a few is some of the opportunities for members of the community to get out there and perform in front of a live audience and, and get that stage and that springboard. Hey, they, uh, they may get that stage and that springboard with whatever it is the Canucks have planned here for talented individuals. I would suspect intermission stuff and, and, and in-game stuff um, uh, performing. At Rogers Arena. They've done such a good job with all those theme nights, and part of the theme night quite often is uh, the anthem from whatever the theme is, Mm -hmm. right? And I think you take away... And look, it's a huge commitment. If you go to one person, like it has to be the right fit. That person has to be all in. And I'm not saying they couldn't find that person. And and I hear you, Rob, when you talk about making that part of the fabric of the game. Now, they tried that for a while with Mark Donnelly, and I think some people kind of got tired of that act, and then they went away from it. There were other issues around uh, the decision uh, to move on from from Mark. But, uh, you know, it kind of cuts both ways, right? Like, yes, it can be part of the game presentation, but at the same time, uh, if you're a season ticket holder and you're going to all 41, 
Uh, some people probably say, hey, mix it up a little. Give me some diversity. Give me some different looks and some different sounds. So uh, it sounds like they're going that approach of, uh, you know, hey, we could have said last year they had more def- more depth on their uh, anthem roster than they did on their <laughs> defense core. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the one area where they just they hit all the right notes, I think, wasn't it? All the all the different anthem singers and all the different people that came through Rogers Arena. I, I agree. I don't necessarily think that the, the way to go is to have that one person, but I can see benefits uh, for doing that. Uh, it should also be said that they're, they're looking for an, uh, an in-arena host right now as well to uh, replace Hannah Bernard, who is, uh, as we mentioned a few weeks back, is, mm-hmm. is departing the team as she's uh, having a baby. Yeah, please tell me our boy Renil Desai will be back, former Sakarison Price intern. As far as I know, I haven't. I haven't. Okay. Uh, I have no reason to believe otherwise. Okay, good stuff. Uh, lastly, Rob, where are we here? Oh yes, ticket pricing. You did some sleuthing. <laughs> yeah, so I, I, don't, I. This is something I guess I, I wonder if the average fan is aware of um, that. When you go to a Canucks game, if you're looking for tickets to a Canucks game, not every game is priced the same. And, and in fact, now it's, it's quite drastic, um, you know, for what, you know, for the, the price for, for the Toronto Maple Leafs on a Saturday night is quite different from Columbus on a Tuesday, right? And so just kind of did some, did some sleuthing, as you said, to look at the different price tiers uh, that the Canucks sell tickets for. And there are now six pricing tiers. And so if you, you know, I've, I've got the article up on, on Daily Hive, but you can, you can check it out to see where, you know, if you're, you know, perhaps wanting to go to a game but not, not overly spend, they don't really advertise this, um, you know, very well. So I, I thought that was kind of interesting where, and I, I, I do like to pick out the different, uh, different spots where there's, you know, where you get some value, you know, if you're in that low price tier, which is, which they refer to as regular. So they got regular, which is the lowest regular plus premium, premium plus marquee and marquee plus. And it's interesting that marquee plus there is only one game in there and that is January 20th <laughs> against the Toronto Maple Leafs. That costs more than any other game. And it's for yeah. good reason, you know, like the, of you, course. Look at the, you look at the pricing on the secondary market. I've got a friend that you know, he, he has an, an ice pack every year and he, he, I know he used to always sell the Leafs game and he's like, that pays for half my ice pack. Yeah. <laughs> and we've talked about this. This has been the trend in sports, dynamic pricing, uh, because let's face it, there are different markets for different games. So I have zero problem with that because uh, a Tuesday night versus Columbus is not akin to a Saturday night against Toronto, not in this market, uh, not in terms of games people want to be at and, and, um, um, what people will pay to go to those games. I just love the branding of regular plus. Regular <laughs> plus. <laughs> Great stuff, Rob Williams. Your marquee plus for us, buddy. We'll catch up with you next Thursday. That sounds great. Secure some price from Wall Center. Presentation Applewood Auto Group. You can text us 778-402-9680. The Great Clips text message inbox. Great Clips. It's going to be great. Errors and omissions and uh, self-reporting on several fronts here in a moment. First of all, as mentioned earlier, AM600 picking up the Punjabi broadcast, first ever of the 
Lions and Elks Saturday. Is from that a radio Edmonton. station? A terrestri- is, is there still such a yes, thing? Yes, these things, okay. they still exist. Right. Uh, good on the Lions and good on AM600 for doing that. Shane O'Brien is part of the Spitting Chicklets prod, uh, podcast. No. Or, no. sorry, part of the... Um, missing Curfew. Missing Curfew. I called it Spitting Chicklets. It's part. It's Missing Curfew. That was the mistake. See, there you go. He's An got error within the body of story about AV today. About <laughs> He was trying to hit on a uh, girl in the mm-hmm. stands, and they're up a couple goals. I thought it was an ice girl. I thought maybe it was a girl it was an on ice, the ice. Yeah, I think yeah. you're right. An ice girl. And AV was Yeah, AV had him. a lot of problems with Shane O'Brien. A lot of them <laughs> Gee, I wonder around why. <laughs> his professionalism or lack thereof. Sedin's balanced it out, though. Mm-hmm. You know? So missing curfew. Yes. Uh, I mistakenly said spitting chiclets. With Scotty Upshaw. I've called Nigeria a minnow at the Women's World Cup. Well, I guess not anymore after beating the host Australians. And then one thing we didn't mention, Jeff... When we were talking about the need for a true second-line center to move Miller to the wing and give you more of a utility-forward look, is they need a center for the second power play unit, right? If Patterson and Miller are going to play on the first unit, then that second-line center, theoretically, would be the guy taking the draw for the second power play unit, which right now is a, an open-ended question. Right, and this has been a battle for them. For I mean, remember, not that long ago, Brandon Sutter was taking faceoffs on mm-hmm. the second unit power play because that's all they had. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's not here anymore, obviously. But uh, Teddy Bluger, and this surprised me. I looked it up the other day. Teddy Bluger has never had a power play point in the National Hockey League. Mm-hmm. Now he probably hasn't seen a ton of power play time in Pittsburgh. No, behind a few guys there. I just thought somewhere along the line with injuries and a face-off guy that he would have been out for a draw, get off the ice, still pick up a second assist. No power play points. So if you think, oh, well, Teddy Bluger can be on the power play, uh, that is not his domain. That's not what no. he's here for. So, you know, Rob Williams mentioned the fact that, hey, maybe Sheldon Dries, yeah. you know, gets a roster spot just as center ice insurance, but also a guy that can bring a little bit of offense uh, when need be, yeah. Do you think? Do you think they'd perhaps rotate or double shift one of Miller or Patterson on PP two, or have a guy take the face off and then you know dart off and? Well, I think back? first and foremost, there won't be a lot of second unit face offs, no. right? I no. mean, they're going to change on the fly, especially because of this situation. But it is something. You know, it's not nothing. Again, you wouldn't go into an entire baseball season with no left-handed pitchers. You know, the idea that they've gone years here without a right shot setter. Or a second unit power play center, like you know, it's not a well constructed roster, and that's uh, just another example of that. Yeah, they went Sutter, Beagle, and then to nothing. I know Travis Boyd was there for a cup of coffee, but it was it was a drop off, and people were always on Sutter and Beagle, but they did have a purpose at times to get that big face off win. Bodog line of the daytime with Jeff Patterson, Bodog your source for casino games, poker strategy, and sports odds. Who you like? What you got? Well, Bodog has updated the Women's World Cup, uh, and the odds are out now. <laughs> yes. To win it outright, there are 10 teams ahead of Canada, and is this going to be fodder on the blackboard for this you know, uh, Canadian team that's always looking for something to fire them up? Uh, Canada at plus 6,000 to win it outright. Again, the 11th longest odds 
uh, after the first week and some of the uh, surprises that we have seen. So mm-hmm. Canada uh, still not in the clear to advance to the knockout Yeah, stage. I want to say they went into the tournament tied for the eighth uh, longest or tied for the eighth shortest odds. Mm-hmm. Um, so if they have moved down a few pegs, I... The disrespect, well, man. Oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Everybody. Although the draw to Nigeria is looking better now, Jeff. We can say that as well. Thanks for listening, everybody. A reminder to subscribe to us and Rinkwide wherever you get your podcast, And then please do follow us on the social media platforms. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, YouTube. And, of course, support the community sponsors we're telling you about. Keep it local. <laughs>